Good evening and welcome to another edition of Three Valleys Radio's Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight we've got Mr. Ricky Hyatt. I'm on again, A.D. Hopper. We've got the two Tommies, Tom Bailey. And little Tommy White. And last but not least, the owner and chairman of Yogurtown Football Club, Mr. Martin Hellier. Let's get straight into it. Well, good evening, everybody. I will start by introducing our guest on the show tonight. Uh, We'll start with the two Toms. First of all, Tom Bailey. Hi, Tom. Hello. Good evening. And Tom White, ex-Yogletown centre-half in his heyday. And Bristol Rovers, wasn't it? Anybody else? Scraped it. Where? Couple of loans. I scraped it. All right. Okay. Um, and um, did I mention Rick? I didn't, did I? Rick's here. Hi, Rick. Evening. How are you? Oh, absolutely fine. All the better for seeing you, dear boy. And well, fi- I know that's a lie. And finally, uh, Martin Hellier's here, the current owner and chairman of Yobertown Football Club. Hi, Martin. Hello. Hello, everyone. Right, well, I'm going to start, because Hilda's not here today. He's gallivanting off in, I forgot where he is now. Is it the Can- Canary Islands he's gone, Rick? Uh, he's in Greece. Oh, Greece, Greece, is it? In Greece. Greece. Oh, right. All the same, all the same, Adrian, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, chance of being to get there. Um, Martin, um, could you have possibly believed that after five months in the chair, as it were, you would have reached the situation we have in so much as Stadium, not entirely completely re- redone, but but a huge lot of work done on the stadium. Um, you know, a dance venue, as it were, out the back for people to get uh, psyched up for the game. And uh, a new press area for us boys when we come and do the press conferences. But more than that, top of the f- table. I mean, it's a fantastic uh, five months work, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. I mean, I was having this conversation with our Jack a couple of times recently, and uh, even if we were just measuring the the stadium upgrades, I think it would have been no mean feat. But, um, you know, clearly, I think the confidence we've put in in the fans is uh, is fed through to the manager and the players. And, and they've, uh, you know, when it comes down to each of us doing doing our part in the last five months, I think, you know, it's, it's uh, clearly recognised that the... The team have uh, certainly done theirs as well. So yeah, it's uh, it feels like win after win after win, for which we're obviously truly grateful, uh, certainly to the supporters. And uh, sun's been shining all the way mostly as well. So yeah, I mean, you know, we'll we'll take the good times when they come. I think we all had plenty of the bad times. So so uh, yeah, soak it up and and uh, let's keep hoping onwards and upwards. Well, we've certainly had enough of the bad times to uh, to certainly want to wave them well goodbye now, that's for certain. Um, Tom White, have you got any comments on that? I mean, you, you've obviously been sat from uh, afar, but none of that watching the results come through. Yeah, no, it's been obviously really, really pleasing. Obviously chuffed for you, Martin, and everyone associated with the club. Um, you know, there's a lot of West Country teams up and in around there, and I believe if, uh, if, if you weren't in the cup, Saturday they would have had Bath, which would have been obviously a huge game. So obviously that looks like that'll need to be rearranged. I'm not sure if it has yet, but um, no, it's brilliant. Um, you know, we've 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 had our opinions on here, and obviously fans will have their opinions. But at the end of the day, you know, you can't ask for any more. You know, they're still obviously got a lot to learn and develop, and I'm sure the manager is working on that, and probably yeah. got his eye on a few players depending on how the situation lies later on in the season. But yeah, no, fantastic. You can't ask for any more. Like you said, stuck top of the top of the league and. Going strong, scoring goals again, so fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's going it's going great. I mean, you know, let's let's enjoy it and soak it up and you know, you always have your odd sort of naysayers and those people, but but yeah, I mean it's um 
you know, top three teams or Somerset ones. Um, you know, hopefully we'll start to gain some distance from them as we sort of move towards Christmas. But yeah, I mean, so far, so good. So thank you. What about you, Tom Bailey? You've been up there quite frequently, so you must be keeping an eye on things. Each game has just gone better and better. Um, and it's great to see the buzz around the club as well. I mean, I, I think we touched on that when Martin last came on, but it's continued. Um, it's just, yeah, it's great to see. And the fact that we can pull off performances like that against playoff contenders is um, a testament to all the work that's gone on, not only on the pitch, but off it as well. Rick? I was just thinking, actually, uh, going along with what Tom said, you know, it's the momentum, as we keep talking about, that's, that's gone with everything. And then to, to get a test like Avery, who on form, in contention, and just get the do- job done by half-time, is, uh, is put that game to bed then. It, you know, it's, it's, it's remarkable, really, to think of the whole atmosphere around the place and the playing side of it and things that are... Uh, the progress that has been made in that period. And, you know, it's another test again, again on Saturday. It's another step up, if you like. Thankfully, South End still exists. So we get to play against them. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting barometer again, just to see how, uh, how things have progressed and not to get too carried away with it. And uh, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't go right. But it'd be nice to get into the, into the hat for the next round again. A good cup run always is always, always welcome. What do you think about the cup run, Martin? I mean, you must be pleased with that because a little bit of prize money coming in, which obviously all helps. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we were we were we were put out of it so quickly um, last year, and um, obviously, I think Taunton experienced that same feeling recently. But it's always it's always an added bonus, isn't it? And um, we had a couple of good draws to start with. Um, Again, you know, we seem to have this uh, unprecedented run of home games at Hewish, which is really good for sort of stress testing all the things we've put in place. And, you know, the atmosphere, um, like Rick said, the atmosphere up there, it just is tangible. You could take a bite out of it. And um, we certainly knew how that felt when that was a negative atmosphere. You could equally um, have, have sort of tasted that. And, yeah, I mean, South End will be will be a really good, I think, barometer, as Rick said, in the sense of we consider ourselves for a while now to be a side worthy of taking on the National League. And this will be our first taste of that with Southend. I think they're also on a bit of a um, sort of feel-good uh, run at the moment, despite, you know, the struggles they've had. They've been um, they've been putting games under their belt quite well. Um, they'll certainly bring a good crowd down, I would imagine. Um you know, I can look up and see sort of ticket sales as as they as they happen here, and it's already looking quite interesting. Um, and so too for for forthcoming games like Weymouth and so on. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's like Mark touched on. You know, treat every game as a, as a game you want to win, and um, don't look too far beyond that. And I think that's part of the secret, really, is just just. Um, do the training and work work to win that game on the day. And I mean, the first half of Avely, you know, if you could bottle that and uh, sell it as an aftershave, you'd be a millionaire, I should think, for the for the uh, for the feeling it gives you. And and it, they were absolutely bang on. The players are uh, are really are really gelling now. Um, anyone starting the season with quite a number of new players has got quite a task to see how they connect and how they interact. And I know Mark at the first press conference said it was his intention to to recruit characters. And, you know, we've really got great characters and they've each, they each bring something different to the table. Uh, Frank's really starting to bed in now and find his, find his place. And I mean, Reese, you know, what can you say? It's just a goal machine. Um, so, yeah, Southend will be, will be a test. I think... I think as, as as Rick touched on, you know, you may lose it, maybe out, but you know, fair effort um, so far. And what we can see is the boys definitely have it in them if we put those jigsaw pieces in the right order. Um, the firepower is uh, is immense. So we, um, I think, 
I think like so many fans this season, as, as opposed to last season, is we just look forward to the next game. We just can't wait. Now, I don't think there was many people saying that last season. So, so um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. It's really good. And really, really glad Southend found a solution as well. Um, you know, even as a, as a club owner, I don't want us to get through on, on something that's a technicality, just a, just a buy, um, because the club went into administration. So it's really great news for Southend to, you know, to be hopefully gaining the same distance from that bad period as, as, as we're doing at the Glovers. So, yeah, all good news. Well, now I've got to throw myself at the mercy of Adam because the the um, dementia's getting in, I'm afraid. So many apologies, but you're here now. So thank God for that. No problem at all. Oh, you make it sad. I suddenly thought, Christ, where's Adam? <laughs> and all my fault. So sorry about that, mate, but you're here now. That's the main thing. I was just saying to Martin, you know, uh, what a fantastic five months he's had. I mean, you've obviously been watching and you tend to look at the uh, potential financial side of these things. I mean, what do you make of it? Nothing but good news, really. I mean, there's a good feel good about the club. Uh, we're winning. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen the overall top of the league. So there's a huge sporting aspect of it that makes it very interesting. And things like the cup runs are incredibly important, both on the field that people can celebrate. But as Martin will know, there is huge benefits to the uh, winning off the field as well, with the resulting cup runs as well. So inviting a big club like Southend will also help. So it's uh, nothing but positives, really. Martin, uh, End, I mean, they're, they're right off the cuff now. I mean, they're fine, aren't they? They've got a new buyer lined up. Is that is that the, the story, as I understand it? Yeah, it sounds so. I mean, I think they I think they um, found a solution Tuesday. I haven't really studied it um, um, massively. But, I mean, it was obviously enough to stave off the, um, the courts and so on regards to HMRC. And... Um, you know, like all these things, really, there it was a little bit like when I was bidding for the club or when I got the club. It takes a little while to actually see that become an official um, sort of document or whatever you like, but it's certainly secure enough to, as I said, stave off any um, immediate wolves from the door in, in, in the form of HMRC, and they're obviously the ones you've got to keep sweet um, yeah. before anyone else. And... You know, that would have been an absolute tragedy um, for, for, for a club with that history to, to, have, um, to have gone under. So, yeah, I mean, these things take a little while, as, as you know, or certainly as I know, to become official in the public domain. But the fact that Southend still exists post last Wednesday means that I, I should imagine they, they've, they've, you know, put out the biggest fires first. And... Um, they'll certainly um, be coming in with the same ambition to create as much distance as they can from those, from those bleak times. And whether it's, you know, coming to the mix with the way we're playing, but that injection of positivity, I think, uh, you know, it always makes a difference at the end of the day down to those uh, guys on the pitch. And so, you know, we're um, not anticipating anything, but, you know, potentially a, a good sort of hard-fought game on Saturday, and and um, I'm I'm glad Southend are there to, to to be able to play it. And presumably they would uh, be just as keen to get hold of the prize money as you will be. Yeah, everyone wants to win, whether whether it's an FA Cup game or a league game or whatever it is. I mean, any player that comes out of there and deliberately not intending to do his best is probably unlikely to be there anyway um you know and as good as we are you've got 11 other guys trying to be better so um yeah it, it's every game everyone wants to win and and i think from south end's point of view given given what they've been through recently they'll certainly want to have that big positive injection of of, of winning that one yeah so i mean how different it might have been look this is a team that's already um you know been uh, 10 points deducted on the brink of administration, um, unpaid staff for God knows how many months. So as soon as you get a bite at that opportunity, as, as, as we've done uh, with Hewish, with Yeovil, as soon as you get a bite of that, it's all guns blazing. And, and every single member of staff from the top to bottom at Southend will hopefully 
be investing in that kind of mantra the same way that the remaining staff that we sort of moved on with at Hewish are, are doing now. And, and, and it's, you know, everyone from, you know, Pat Custard in the, in the, in the tea bars to, to, to myself up at chairman and everything in between, they're all doing, um, you know, uh, you know, the team, the manager, they're all playing their intrinsic part in that overall sort of machine that needs all those, all those cogs in working order, and, and we seem to have found that at the moment. So long may it continue. So what's next then, Martin? And in terms of, well, let's start off with the uh, the stadium and, and surrounds. I mean, what's the next sort of priority job that you've got to do? <clears throat> well, I mean, it's ongoing all the time, isn't it? And um, I think at the moment we've, you know, on the on the on the smaller bits, we've turned turning our attention to the marquee around the back. Um, you know, you've got some sort of chilly autumn winter nights coming and cold cold nights and days and all of that sort of thing so we're just uh, fitting that out at the moment putting a bar in there putting lighting in there um we we're continually doing something every day at the stadium whether it's the finances or the hospitality or the or the decor or the or the tactics and and on and on really i, I know you know we've we've got um keith on board now we run stadium ops and um, you know, this is a guy that used to uh, work for uh, Al Fayad at Fulham and so on. So he's he's pretty experienced in all the stuff, and yeah, he's doing great. We're just we're just tackling everything as we come along, trying to provide best value, but also not be busy fools. Um, I mean, even uh, today, um, for example, the pitch um, has clearly had some drainage problems over the years, and so. Um, you know, down at the Thatcher's end, behind well, um, behind the goal there. You know, today we've got an entire new trench, new drainage, and filling it all back in. And the guys started yesterday, and they'll they'll finish that tomorrow. And things like that are the difference between sometimes a, you know, a, a, um, calling off a match because of a frozen pitch, and um, you know, going ahead. So that makes the pitch better. There's less divoting. There's less problems for the groundsmen. Um, and so at any point in the stadium, at any moment you sort of drop in, there's, there's something happening that, that uh, wasn't sort of done before. I think even even myself today, I was thinking I was picking up about five tonnes of old leaves around the back there. Um, so, yeah, we all muck in. It's all good fun. And there's certainly, certainly always something to do there. Absolutely. Well, congratulations to you for doing it so well, because it really is coming together. But um, moving on to players... I mean, at what point, one, one doesn't want to sort of get too ahead of ourselves just because we're top of the table. However, I presume that uh, there must come a point when you and, and uh, Mark sit down and, and start looking about, uh, you know, new players coming into the club. At what sort of point would you look to start doing that? Well, to be honest with you, that, that point comes for me when Mark turns around and says it to me, um, yeah. you know, He's he's got a, you know, he's got his finger on the pulse with that team. He he intrinsically knows what's working and what isn't. And you know, knowing Mark, if if he's if he's got his eye on someone, he would always he would already have that sort of process in place. But I mean, look, look at the team, look what we've got, and look at what we're achieving. Yeah. And so you know, the notion of new players, like any team, you know, you sort of. You know, put one out, bring one in, and so on. But I think everyone would be a bit tentative to start playing around with things too much. Um, there's always a kind of little bit of a, you know, one goes off somewhere that might be slightly not achieving what we'd hoped. One comes in, but that's not something that I proactively look at and advise on at all. Um, that that tends to come when 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 Mark knocks on my door and says, uh, you know, can you have a look at this? And, and as of, you know, I think, I think if anything, if it's testament to anything I've said at the beginning, you know, Mark deals with the football and he has dealt with it. He's dealing with it. And here we are at the top of the table. And, um, you know, I, I hope some of those naysayers that not so long ago were, you know, suggesting he sort of, you know, gets on his way somewhere. I, I hope they're taking some stock in the fact that, you know, give someone the chance and the right tools and, and and they will deliver. Of course, he's always got some work to do, 
there's always going to be a game we lose and all of a sudden it's his fault and no one else's. Um, but, you know, if you if you look at it as an organisation or a corporation and you've got a person in place in that particular job, well, they're delivering, they're delivering what you want them to and then some. So, so that's a department that he runs quite successfully. And, um, you know, we carry on focusing on the bits that, that we can improve, as in myself and Jack and the rest of the team. But I think, you know, the the the, the negative sort of pressures come off of Mark, and he's and you know, you, you bear in mind that guy had to stand on that pitch last season and take a hell of a lot of flack for circumstances which were, you know, in hindsight, historically speaking, were completely out of his control. So you know, I hope the fans continue to get behind Mark and. And and you know, keep keep understanding that every positive chant, every bit of support, you know, makes the difference. It really does. So I couldn't be more pleased with Mark, and I've, I've got no reason to to think to the contrary. Adam, you, you mentioned about seeing Yeovil top of the table. Um, just what does that mean to you as a supporter? Oh, it means everything. Of course, it does. It's uh, we all sit here as Yeovil supporters, so it, I, I think it's right to say that we can all take solace in, and I've mentioned this countless times on the podcast, I've seen one winning season in 10 years. We all have. And it's uh, where we've had more wins than losses, and, and finally it's happening again. Uh, it doesn't matter what the level is. It doesn't matter what's happening. It, we've got a team that care. We've got a ma- uh, We've got a manager who knows what he's doing. We have a structure in place, which actually I think will quietly continue to go under the radar that actually if there is a set idea and a set process, that will actually take you a lot further than most clubs across English football. And it's nice to see one in our own. And and it's a reason to feel like we can achieve again. Will we sustain it? In a way, it doesn't really matter. I think we will because we've got the structures in place. But it's actually being able to have a bit of belief in what that the club is actually going somewhere in the right direction. Does that mean staying to the table? Ideally, yes, of course it does. Um, I'd be wrong to say anything else. But more wins than losses, a team that care, and and that we're in a position to go. If we don't go up this year, we try again the year after, and it looks like we're still building year-on-year year steady progress. We we Anyone who expects immediate success, I think, is wrong. Uh, and I think anyone who expected more of the same would also be probably misplaced in, in where they're thinking. Slow, steady progress. That's where most of the successful clubs get their true success. Tommy White, as an ex-player, you know, it must make you feel good to see the team on the way back like this. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, it was a successful period when I joined the club. Um, literally just started, really, didn't it? And um, obviously, you know, I missed out on quite some of the, the bigger, bigger um, successes with having to leave through injury. So, um yeah, it's di- like we've touched on many times here before. To see the club where they are now is disappointing and upsetting. But let's face facts: that's where it is. This is where it is. The club still has fantastic support, and obviously Martin and his company have stepped in to to take ownership and and push it on forward. Which I think, like you guys are saying now, everyone's on board and there's a good atmosphere down there. Um, I know some Dave Jones's sons still go, and they're really positive at the moment. Um, and hopefully, you know, as they progress and build what they're building there and a few more fans come back each game each season depending on how you want to look at it and you know it builds back up to hopefully in time back back where it used to be in terms of people coming to support and the community and the you know unity that um it provides right throughout the area because like we've touched on here before you know if you live in Yeovil it's a big deal um you know there isn't a lot else to immediately close by uh, in terms of, you know, decent football to, to go and watch, I suppose. Um, and, you know, they stand alone as the, the biggest club in and around, you know, obviously apart from going into the league sort of thing. They're, they're, they're huge. You've got nice nice facilities there. Great atmosphere. I mean, it's always been a friendly, fantastic club to be in and be part of. Um, and the people are there. They want to they wanna be involved. They want to they wanna get involved. And like Martin said, they, they want to roll their sleeves up and they'll pick the leaves up with you. Do you know what I mean? That, that's what they want. They want to... They want to stand in a bar next to you and have a chat with you after, and you know, why not? Um, yeah, and it's great to see them back top of the league. Like I said, I use my football apps to look at the scores. 
300 times every 90 minutes. So, um, you know, to see them, I'll be honest, I looked at the betting Saturday and they were like pretty much around even money. And I was thinking, wow, wow, that's a good bet, isn't it? So I didn't do it purely because you always think the bookies know more than you. So, um, but then seeing them 3 0 up was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You, know, you can you have to look at every two minutes, you can give it a few more minutes before you need to look again. But yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, good to see the, you know, look, um, you've touched on the, the guys scoring goals, front men scoring goals. And, um, like I said, hopefully the crowds will come back in, in their dreams. And like I said, I'm sure they will. And uh, if, if they're still top come Christmas, come February, then obviously it'd be exciting to see what sort of crowds are getting. I tell you what, I never bothered to have a bet on Yeovil or Man United because I'm afraid of giving, a, giving it the voodoo sign. So I always leave them alone, never back them. Uh, but it's good to see them. It was good to see them. You know, Man, Man United went to 125 to 1 at one point. Did Saturday. it? Oh, yeah. Dear me. Yeah. Dear me. Well, it's glad it all sort of ended in the in the right way anyway. Um, Tom Bailey, what what do you feel about it? I mean, you've been up there doing the commentaries and you must be able to pick up on the atmosphere and the way things are going there. Um, Saturday was probably the best atmosphere I've felt there since the Bournemouth FA Cup game. Yeah. Um, where, I mean, there were just so many people it could not be a good atmosphere. Um, it It felt special. Honestly, that the fact that that was the best half of football I've seen us play, well, since I've been watching us, um, with a brilliant atmosphere. Um, Thatchers were loud and proud. Um, it just, everything felt like it was working. And the fact that as well, like Adam's touched on with um, Yeovil being at the top of the league, it, it feels almost alien, the fact that, cause, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I, growing up, didn't get that either. I I didn't get that that luxury either. Seeing either of my teams at the top is bizarre. I've adjusted to it somewhat with Liverpool, but seeing Yeovil That's twice first, he's done it now, Rick. It, it's unnecessary. It's it, unprovoked. It's, yeah, it's, it's, nice. it's totally unnecessary. Anyway, please, carry please on, Tom. Stop, um... Seeing Yeovil in first, it feels bizarre, but I, I, there's a sense of pride, and I'm glad that I'm also able to be a part of that, and I'm sure all of us do, where we feel like we're contributing to something big and seeing what we've been through, what we've come out with and knowing the potential. I'm really excited for what's going to happen next. Rick, what, any, any further, you know, I was, I wasn't there on Saturday, but I was, I was following it on Twitter and I'll tell you someone who wasn't impressed, whoever it is, who does the official Avely Twitter account. It was oh. wonderful. Wonderful to see the tears. What a bitter little man or woman in these modern enlightened times. But he wasn't happy with the referee. Yobel have got a free kick because someone fell over. He was, he was having a right old moan all the way through it, which uh, just added to the enjoyment, really. Yeah, absolutely. So it's nice that, you know, the thing is, it's, it's like we keep repeatedly saying, that in, at this, this level, Yobel are the big fish. They're the sculpt. So it does make it, it's, it's, it's nice to be in that situation in one way, but then it does make it difficult. As Martin will well know, everybody coming, it's their cup final. They don't get to play at, at that level, at a ground that well-structured and with that sort of crowd in front of them as well every week, like Yeovil do. So it is, people do raise, raise their game when they come there. So it does make it a little bit harder. It's not all going to be plain, plain sailing. But it is just nice. And I could just imagine if it had gone... I know I don't want to be the harbinger of doom, but just imagine if we'd got a few, we were sitting 12th or 13th at the moment without that, with everything, well, I, all the promise that was there yeah, pre-season. I think, I think when AD said, you know, could you imagine it or, you know, five months ago, well, you know, again, ju- just for the, for the, for the ground to be like it is, to be, but to be going, what are we, you know, uh, beginning of October, fourth round of the FA Cup, top of the league, Six wins in a row, undefeated in September, highest attendance of any league match within our league since the start of the season, bar none. All of those things, and we're and we're we're just into the start of October. So, again, it's 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 really the belief of the fans that you know we we pay the most testament to because we try to do our best to to make it all right and they've come along to see if that's the case and they've continued to come along so that that's the best bit about it all is just from a community point of view is is just to try and restore that what you talked about sense of pride there 
and um, that's the most rewarding thing of all. Just, just to, you know, to for them to have hung in there long enough for us to try and um, try and say, well, you know, let us have a go at this, and we'll see what we can do. So it's brilliant, really good. Did you did you ever have any any sort of doubtful moments at all? I mean. Maybe, for example, the first game of the season after all the build-up and then to go and lose, that must have been a bit of a, a downer. But I mean, have you had any little little sort of twinges where you thought, oh, have I done the right thing here? Yeah, that was about an hour after after getting getting it over the line, I think. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't have those doubts, if you don't constantly keep analysing your decisions and recalculating things and looking at it from every angle, um, regardless of the business... Um, you know, you, you do have to constantly keep analysing your, 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 your plans and your thoughts. And, you know, it's, a, it's an ever-shifting thing um, uh, in business, let alone football. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can sort of beat your mind up over it all the time. But, but it's, it's right that you do that. If it, was all, if, it, if it was something you could just coast along with, then um, I wouldn't want it anyway. So, and, you know... Of course, there's so many offshoots to a football club in terms of the little micro kind of businesses that operate within that you've got so much to focus on in that sense. So, yeah, uh, um, not not so much, not so much self doubt in terms of in terms of ambition or determination, but of course, you know that is in a that is in a in a arena where you've got real world factors that that influence it, including you know, 11 other guys trying to beat you. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the Hemel one, of course, you know, you're going to lose a game in a season. And I suppose statistically, you could just as easily lose the first one as lose the last one. So, you know, we bounced back from that. And, and uh, as I've said before, I think it clipped our wings a bit. Up to that point, we'd had amazing uh, pre-season results. Um, you know, the, uh, the we had the brilliant Newport win um, at home when, when we first let the fans in on that sunny Tuesday night, and that was an amazing atmosphere. And so, yeah, at some point, you're going to get your wings clipped a bit, and I think everyone took that on board. I think we've certainly learned that, um, you know, again, where Rick said about, you know, them wanting to take a scalp, uh, a hewish does tend to mean, you know, either home or away, that that team will, you know, the opponents will get off the block so fast sometimes, right from the outset, and that can really, really catch you on, on the back foot a little bit. And it can really demotivate if they if they put a goal in. Um, you know, it was, um, where was it when we had the 3-2, um, was it? We, they, they, I mean, they, they had two goals within 12 minutes. We played away. Um, and, you know, that can really demotivate. But again, the next game is the next game. Reset, start again. And let's face it, you know, whatever formula they, they, they've come up with, they, they, they've seemed to have found the, the secret sauce, as it were, up to, up to this point. So onwards and upwards, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on a little bit from the Oval now for a few minutes. Um, the wonderful organisation known as FIFA have come up with some plans for the next World Cup, which I know is, uh, what was it, the next one or the one after that? Adam, you'll know. But um, I just wondered what, what generally the thoughts were on having it so spread out across, is it three continents and six nations, I think I'm right in saying that? Uh, not continents, surely. No continents. Countries. Three continents. No, I thought they'd be going for the coldest place in the world now rather than the hot. <laughs> but anyway, Adam, what do, you, what do you make of it all? So my understanding is that it's all been a bit of a um, bit of a mess from FIFA's perspective. So the nothing it's, new there. It's not, it's not for the next World Cup. It's for the 2030 World Cup uh, rather than the 2026 one. Uh, that being because they want to put it in presently: uh, Chile, Uruguay, Argentina, Portugal, Spain, and Morocco. The reason being, they originally had a bid from Spain, Morocco, and Portugal to host the World Cup. And then Uruguay wanted to do one because it will be 100 years since they hosted the first one back in 1930. 
but they couldn't they necessarily want. they couldn't facilitate the um, the hosting of such a major event on their own, which is a growing trend we're seeing in, in major sporting events being hosted in these in this nature, mainly because they cost an absolute fortune and nations very rarely make any money off them. So they share the facilities. So they went into a bid with with Chile and Argentina, um, and for some reason that's now ended up with six of them there. What's more interesting from my perspective is that there is a FIFA ruling that basically says once it's been hosted in a continent, uh, so under mm. a, a UEFA or, or Comdebol or anything else, they're not allowed to host the next one. So, unsurprisingly, 2034... Adam, who, who, who does that leave available for 2034 then? It needs a rather large Asian hole that could be Ooh. taken up to, to, to do the next one. And within about an hour of it being released by FIFA, Saudi Arabia claimed that they're willing to put in for the 2034 World Cup in a surprise to absolutely no one. So it's all a bit of a mess. It's all a bit confusing on exactly what will happen. Nothing has been, I don't think anything's been completely finalised as of yet, um, because we're still a long way off. But uh, it, yeah, that looks like what it's going to be. What will be more annoying or more um, hypocritical was will FIFA will talk about how it will be even more sustainable and it'll even be more sustainable than the Qatari one. I don't know how you can have a sustainable World Cup when you're putting it in six different nations, nowhere near each other. But uh, we will have to wait. Well, especially with the number of flights everyone will be having to take back and forth. Yeah. I think that would be... Uh, I, I should... think my yeah. understanding is that they are... Although they're saying it's hosted in six places, it's going to be effectively one match each in the South American nations. And the rest is going to be based in and around Portugal, Morocco and Spain, which, although they're two, obviously two continents, they are geographically quite close to each other. Um, and it's more of a centenary thing for the for, particularly for Uruguay, who, of course, hosted it 100 years ago. So it's um, much to be discussed and inevitably money will be at the heart of it. Mm, Rich, what do you think? Or you've already or has yeah. voiced your opinion, I guess. I, I, I think you know what I think. Yeah, um, I, I think I do, but maybe other, other people it's, it's what One other thing that was quite noticeable, Adam said, you know, it's about an hour later after this had been announced that the Saudis uh, put, their, put their bid in. I think it was less time than that before Britain's or England's finest midfielder, who hasn't gone to Saudi Arabia for financial reasons, was uh, tweeting his support for the 2034 bid after saying that there was no way he was going to get involved in politics or anything at all. So uh, Mr Henderson continues to be the biggest hypocrite on the planet. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, good of you to point it out to us, though. Um, Tommy White, what do you make of it? Well, to be fair, on paper it sounds brilliant, doesn't it? It's quite good to share it for some of the smaller countries um, who can they don't have the infrastructure or the stadiums, etc. You know, on paper, it's it's quite a good idea. Unfortunately, we all know it's a little bit corrupt and it's not going to be done fairly and it's not going to be done correctly. In terms of um, flights and things, I suppose it depends how you look at it because if, if, for argument's sake, England were to fly to Uruguay, but they only had to fly to Spain and Portugal for three or four games, then you could be cutting it, cutting down the, the amount of fuel, etc., etc. But again, it, it also makes sense if almost... Well, if you could fly, sort of, again, because the way they do this groupings, you'd never get it, would you? Because I was going to say, you could almost have like the European section over here and the American over there and then meet in a semi, you know, semi-final, quarter-final um, type thing, which might be, which obviously, again, is basically redesigning the whole World Cup. But um, So I'm, I'm waffling a little bit and trying to make up stuff as I go here. But <laughs> like I said, on paper, it sounds great. But unfortunately... Um, it won't be the countries that people probably want or think that it should be. Um, so, yeah, still still work to do and, and information to give us for us to make a, a fair assessment, I suppose. Do you think, though, that it, it's it's going to lack, you know, when it, when it was in France or when it was in England or when it was in, I'm just really worse, well, America, when it's all in one country, do you not think there's a, there's a much more intense World Cup because... It, you know, the whole country takes it on and, you know, yeah. It's, it's... Yeah, but I also believe that, for argument's sake, if I take Bristol, because I'm here, if a game, if England were playing in Bristol, then obviously the Bristol City would, as in the city, would thrive on it and everyone have their flags out and it'd be beeping their horns and the pubs would be full and all that type of stuff. 
But Manchester don't do that when Bristol were playing, and Bristol don't do that when Manchester are playing like hugely. So I think it's more about the immediate area for a specific game um, if it's not your country. So if Portugal were playing, I don't know, France in Bristol, then obviously you'd still have a lot of that going on, but it wouldn't quite be the same. So I think I'm not. I agree. I know what you're saying in terms of the whole country get behind the um, excitement and the euphoria of staging a World Cup in one country. But I also think the immediate area, um, no matter what country it was in, so whether it was sort of you know Bristol and then Cardiff and then Edinburgh or Belfast, if it was in the UK for argument's sake, then I think you'd still get that euphoria in the immediate area where a game was. Martin, you got any thoughts on it? I was just thinking, you know, when you've got one World Cup in, in, in one city, in one venue... I mean, there's fours and against, isn't it? Because you've got one place to concentrate on to build all the infrastructure, to ensure that every all all, all the all the bits that wrap around all of it, you know, road systems, accommodation, hotels, the infrastructure, that side of thing. Whether whether that's harder with one big single massive place or four or five smaller ones. I mean, logistically, I wouldn't want to be the one who's in charge of pulling all that together and making sure it all runs smoothly. But then there's the argument, as a couple of you have said, that you're kind of sharing the love a bit and, and um, you know, uh, spreading it around a few countries. And I think certainly some of the South American ones anyway, with the flair for football and, and, and some of them are, you know, slightly more economically challenged than, than, than other sort of Western world countries and so on. I should imagine it's a great injection of, of you know, revenue coming in. So I think I think from a viewing perspective, from someone who's you know probably a bit lazy in it and would watch it from home, um, I, I should imagine it would add some interest. I, uh, my only question would be, you know, can you ensure the the integrity of the infrastructure, the the, the security risks, the accommodation, hotels, all of that? You know, can you get that right every time in in four or five different venues? around the continent rather than one big one. But that's clearly someone else's problem to, to deal with. But uh, in, as, as far as a fan watching it, I don't think it's um, quite, it's, it's a selfish comment to make, but I don't think it's, I don't think it impacts it. I think it probably adds quite a lot of interest. And, and if it, if it, if it shares revenue around an investment and, and uh, you know, um, tourism and so on to, four or five places rather than one, then, um, yeah, why not? You know, I think I think maybe they're just trying to spread the love around a bit rather than just it being... And I think it also takes the focus off of this, off of this kind of probably immediate reaction of, well, how did that one place get it? Is, it? is there corruption, this, that and the other? And maybe it's to diffuse a bit of that. Maybe it's to diffuse that feeling a little bit. Be fair. If you were on a panel, you wouldn't want to give it to our country at the moment. We're flipping striking every week. Oh, that's it. Guarantees of you know. Yeah. Is, well, yeah, we're well. not a great advert for you no. know, in terms of that. And when the World Cup, you know, those decisions roll round, you know, whoever's quite responsible. That um, unfortunately, we pro probably don't, uh, you know, globally advertise ourselves as a as a as a very sort of positive go get sort of country and and. You know, that's got to be thought about. Well, not only that, it's, I mean, it's not even so much the reputation. They will close. Yeah, they'll analyse the funds, the infrastructure, the transport, the everything else. And so, you know, you sort of reap what you sow in that respect. And, yeah, I think I, I, if if I was to, you know, fall one side of the fence to the other, I, I, I think it's more of a positive thing that it would be spread around a few countries rather than one singular place it would be accused of being somehow corrupt or, or the politics of it all getting in place so I think my opinion is you know if I had to choose one as I think it would be a positive thing. Tom Bailey what have you got a thoughts on? I think spreading it around countries is fine there's no real issue there I think the bid of Spain Portugal Morocco makes sense geographically um, sustainability etc I think the, quite frankly, the, the pity game that all three of the South American countries get is a farce. Um, 
I think if they were going to do that, they need to put the whole country, that the whole tournament yeah. in those three countries. Um, yep. If they're going to bang the drum of sustainability, they're going to make um, three teams fly from, well, God knows where, and you're not allowed to draw South American teams against each other in uh, the group stage. So it has to be three teams from elsewhere. Um, all the way over to Uruguay or, or Argentina, Chile, and then fly them all the way back again, as well as bringing the Uruguayans and et cetera with them. Um, I think that is possibly one of the stupidest things they could have possibly done. Um, so it's it's there's got its pros and cons. And I think as well, it's the, the, like Adam touched on the whole, oh, by the way, 2034 Saudi Arabia anyway. Um, it's, yeah, it's not like they've given themselves much um, opposition either, because I was just having a look while you guys were talking. Apparently, the 2034 bids um, or proposed bids, there was an abandoned bid from Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. Who the hell wants to go there? Um, there's Australia, New Zealand and or Indonesia. Who wants to go there? Um, there's also basically pretty much all of Asia, Asia, uh, Asia, um, coming together for a bid so it kind of leaves saudi arabia by default as the only country or set of countries sustainable to to pull off an event like this so it's it screams corruption i can't really say it's corruption but it doesn't look good um allegedly you mean don't you sorry yes alleged corruption that's the word you must um (laughs) it must also dilute some of the sponsorship opportunities you know when it's different being played in different places as opposed to one one sort of country and so on. I mean that's me commercial head on, but um, you know, when you're a when you're a sponsor, you there's there's demographics, there's politics, there's there's, you know, consumer bases and all that 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 um I would imagine you you it's an easier thing to get your head around in, in, in one country than being spread around a few, but that's very little to do with the football. Um but yeah. Luckily not... luckily I've actually done some work on looking at the commercial partners and things like that and the way it's solved is actually that all the sponsorship goes through fifa themselves oh. rather than necessarily the sponsorship of any particular nation or anything like that oh, okay. I, 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 I would assume that anyway but i mean it's just that you know there's var- varying little sort of well there's variables in terms of the where it's at and so on and so on i mean i'm sure it's so finite it's hardly worth a worth the sort of Chat yeah, it's ridiculous. You, you know, you could have a, you could have an, ten thousand fans coming from France or England or Spain, and four thousand coming is too. And if they're not doing that, they're going on holiday anyway. So I think yeah. it's a bit, a bit silly to get into mm. what flights and stuff is. It's a bit, yeah. Adam, for those Sorry, of you who don't know, Adam has been hobnobbing it with the likes of uh, Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood and uh, a few others. Um, it's, not, it's not the description I'd use. Zadie, but fair enough. <laughs> okay, uh, but have you did, did you pick up any any ideas uh, from a commercial point of view over there that that, that could be uh, easily switched to football? What was very interesting, CSSA, I, I had the pleasure of working at the Ryder Cup all of last week, which was very entertaining. Uh, and given that the worst part of the job was working around in thirty degree heat, it was certainly not a major issue. Um, <clears throat> given that I gather everything rained in Somerset for most of the week, so that was always good. Um, what was quite interesting is it's a blend between quite an affluent sport, I think that's an accurate way of describing it, that the average the average golf fan is probably richer than the average football fan, and as a result, they, they play towards that. That doesn't mean that there aren't many excellent hospitality packages and things that can translate into a team sport, and particularly into football, even at Yeovil's level, but... There are a few nuances that you have to change, but overall, it's 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 all built around delivering a top quality event to as many people as possible and trying to get as many TV cameras on it as possible as well, which which is exactly the same as you see in football. Now, the, the overwhelming thing that you could take from it is the broadcast coverage. I think that, you know, it's it's something like if you compare at a very, very limited level all the sky cameras and all across the world media looking at the Ryder Cup versus what we get on National League TV. And it's a very, very polar example. It's an uh, interesting point to make, actually, that I believe the National League want to televise the FA 
South End game Saturday, but you know you'd have to keep your eye out for that because that's still like that. So yeah, on a very smaller scale than what you're talking about there. No, absolutely. But it's the it's making sure that you can deliver a high quality product for a price that people are willing to pay and still getting a decent product at the end of it. Um, in a way, football is an entertainment package, as is golf, as is going to a concert. So there's plenty of there's plenty of similarities, but then you just have to take into consideration we're probably not looking at a global audience of Yeovil Town quite yet, um, com- compared to compared to what we see. I had the pleasure of seeing last week. Next week, obviously, for that one. Um, next question, I was going to throw at you guys. I saw something in the paper today, or on one of the websites. Can't remember now. But uh, apparently the FA are contemplating maybe lighting up the Wembley Arch in Israeli colours. Now, I thought that was a bit provocative in a way, and it strikes me as the sort of thing that could could maybe, you know, if you've got a few uh, Islamic terrorists knocking about, you know, could sort of come back to haunt us a little bit. Do you think it's a wise move, Martin? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, politics, when it's so sort of polarised in that in that, in that that way, in the footage and, you know, bad stuff going on, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't bring, you know, football designed to bring people together, you know, level playing field, sportsmanship and so on, and you suddenly immediately, immediately taking a political view and you know, ultimately, you're choosing one side over another, and so on. It's absolutely, a hundred percent, not the place to bring those politics. Where do we draw the line? Where, where do we stop doing this? You know, where, yeah. Where, what, what, how do we? You know, what what happens if there's a? Yeah. What happens if there's a terrorist attack at Wembley because we did that? Why? Why just? Why poke that bear? Why get involved? Everyone can have their own beliefs and support, and they can give money to subsequent charities that side or the other but you know i mean it's just absolutely not the place you bring that sort of stuff into it's antagonistic um provocative isn't it basically it's provocative it's it's snobbery it's 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 colonialism it's all sorts of things like that that you know i thought football was spending a long time trying to get away from the various things like that and you know it's certainly not a platform to air your beliefs on something that you know potentially a lot of them are fairly uneducated on so you know to put to put my tuppence worth in no absolutely not it's not it's not the platform to show your um show your support to one or the other really rick you've got any thoughts on it i think when you're dealing with football which of all the international sports is the most tribal to uh be as provocative on one side or another as far as this goes is stupidity beyond measure and it should not be involved. I know it's, there are certain political things that you can get involved in where it's clearly a case of right and wrong. Well, this is a matter of opinion. It's nothing to do with football. It goes beyond football. And that whole situation in that part of the world is something uh, we continually try and poke our noses into and make the situation worse. So I don't see any benefit at all in getting involved in it. Well, we've got seven minutes to go. So one other point I was going to ask you all. Just how good do you think Jake, Jake Jude Bellingham is going to become? Because, I mean, he was signed, I, I presume he was signed as a midfielder. Uh, and yet, I mean, he scored goal after goal after goal. Unbelievable. Tommy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's shown signs, hasn't he, for quite some time, obviously. Um, and fair play to him, he chose a, a path. Which he's which he's chosen. It's a shame we couldn't get him into the Premier League. Obviously, um, a real shame. Um, you know, as we discussed on there some time ago, if you're a Man United fan, if you're Man United or Chelsea or Liverpool, you buy Bellingham. You know, that's your midfield for the next ten years. You know, bear, bear in mind that bear, sorry, spar an injury, bar an injury. That's your midfield for the next ten years, and it's obvious he's been a frightening talent for so long. I mean, look how he's scoring his. First World Cup game, and you know he gets across the pitch. He's an athlete. He gets stuck in. His desire he's got for the game, you know. I don't know what he doesn't have. Honestly, the kid loves football. He's just he's just another level. And um, yeah, I'm just gutted really. I know he obviously played for England, which is fantastic. But it's just a shame yeah, he doesn't didn't come to the Premier League. Um, 
I hope he wins things, basically. Um, you know, someone like with his talent. Ballon d'Or. Go, go and win things. Uh, Real Madrid aren't exactly lighting up the La Liga at the moment, but, um, you know, they're in there and thereabouts. And, you know, they'll probably challenge for the Champions League. But, um, you know, I don't know why he possibly didn't come to the Premier League. And maybe, you know, for argument's sake, I'm not saying he should have. Obviously, I'd have hated it if he went to Man City. But if he went somewhere like Man City... You know, probably going to win the Premier League every year. Probably going to win Champions League two in five years or something. I don't know, but you know, he's gone the way he's gone. Um, but yeah, what a talent! I mean, I don't know where to stop. I'm just trying to use up a few of those seven minutes for you, Aid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Martin? Would you like to sign him for Yeovil? I just, I just think it's great when you see a player, what I call sort of coming into that zone, and. Um, you know, you, you you catch them right in there doing that. Um, Tom made the point there, you know, he might be sticking around for 10 years. And and certainly what I'd like to see in Yeovil as we progress is is those sort of players that are there next season and next season and next season because they learn each other so much more intrinsically. I mean, we're seeing things like with Jordan Young, Jordan Stevens, Will Dawes. They're all ones which are kind of really sort of coming into that sweet spot if you like and you know if they can maintain that and get enough games and you want to see them season after season and they got the youth the the energy the ambition and um you know i don't want uh, as we go on with yeovil to be a kind of you know veteran show that you maybe see once a season and then and then they're changed out or something that's not to disrespect any of the older players but i think when you've got the young ones and they're and they're just you know they're just coming into that zone and you can see how much mileage they've got left in them for so long that you can look forward to seeing them season after season and that's certainly you know some of the things I'm seeing with some of the younger players we we've got on at the moment. Yeah, I think it's, that's a good point, Martin. I, I'm I'm really pleased to hear you say that because for me, when I've coached kids and things, it's it's a buzz to see kids vibrant and, you know, when you're just watching them on the training ground, you haven't asked them to do anything just yet. You're just watching what they do in their own time, you know, the, the enthusiasm and, you know, the way they're they're playing football, but they might be joking about with each other, but they're having fun, but they're still practising and learning certain things. It's, it can be a real buzz to see, you know, young lads, uh, any ages, but people with a talent who just excel but enjoy doing what they're doing is... is and it, it, it's... it's um, it spreads, you know, it's like a virus, of good virus, but it's a virus that spreads throughout people and they bring people with them along that journey. Mate, quickly, you've only got a minute and a half now because White has been waffling on. Put us in your favour. Duke Bellingham is very good, had a career path mapped out by his dad from a very early age, which is why he never came within 100 miles of a football club owned by the Glazers and instead furthered his career somewhere where he would... Uh, become a better footballer. He came, he came to the training ground, didn't he, and went round with Fergie and yeah. that. Yeah. And had a look, did nod to the most. Uh, and then, But there was he was never going to sign for United. Nobody in their right mind would sign for a club owned by the Glazers. Tom Bailey. I think Jude Bellingham's got Ballon d'Or potential. Uh, I mean, there are a few others out there that could do that, but I think he's going to be one of them for sure. The only concern for me would be injuries because he's 20 years old and he's taped up already. Um, that's my only worry. But absolutely one of the best players in the world already. Playing a lot of minutes though, isn't he, Tom? That's why he's, a lot. he's getting yeah. flogged. And without meaning to inter- uh, interrupt, and with it being the last couple of minutes, Sadie, could I just remind everyone listening about the Paint the Park pink day yep. on the yeah. 28th? Yeah, go for it. And, uh and really just a case of, uh, sorry to sort of plug this, but it's a charity thing. But, you know, the the, 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 the breast unit in Yeovil is, is about 40 grand off of its target. And, um, you know, I think everyone that comes to that game on the 28th will witness us reach that target and, and the milestone in order to, to reach the 2.5 million. And it's really just a case any fan that can come on that day will be, you know, um, you know, forever sort of immortalised, if you like, in, in, in contributing their bit to, to the success of that unit and and the, you know, future generations that are saved by it, given that 85% of of uh, early diagnosed breast cancers are, are curable. So, um, 
without adding sort of too much drama to it, we just asked you to come in your droves on that day, on the 28th, when we play Braintree, and it will be a hugely emotional, amazing day. So sorry to sneak that one in, but no, I was on you're more than welcome and we'll continue to push it from leading up to the game as well um, well we are virtually at the end of the road now so impeccable timing you lot uh, 59 seconds 50, uh, 59 minutes and 54 seconds at the moment so I can only say thank you very much indeed Martin for coming on again we've uh, we've always looked Love forward it, to always. you coming on thank um, you Tom Bailey, thanks for coming on. And you've got a job to do tomorrow night, so you're going to be busy again. Uh, but Thank uh, you. thanks for coming on. Rick, thanks for coming on, mate. Been uh, always slightly unprovocative tonight. I don't know what's wrong with you. You must have. Uh... Plus, if there is anything that um, anyone's not happy with, don't forget, Jurgen said that we can replay this podcast if it doesn't go exactly how we like it. Yeah, that's true. Good old Jurgen. He's always got those good ideas, hasn't he? And uh, I would like to just say I had to actually make a confession and, and own up to the fact that I sort of for a, a couple of minutes I lost faith with United on Saturday. Um, yeah. but, Seeing your Facebook post, yeah, a public uh, apology. I know, but I, I felt you did, so you didn't guilty. Because I got <laughs> not my fault, Adrian. I'm just getting. <laughs> I, I, changed, I changed to go up to the Palace game the week before instead of that game. So yeah, yeah that was a good decision. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, but good old Mutt on me. What a, what a couple of uh, a couple of minutes of football that was. Fantastic. World class. <laughs> fantastic. But maybe maybe Eric's beginning to under, understand us a little bit better when he sees things like that. Um, but so there we go. Anyway, thanks Tommy White for coming on, old boy. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. it. Nice to see you all. Yeah, and you. We'll yeah. see you again soon. And Adam, yeah. first of all, apologies for the, the, the cock up at the beginning. Uh, my fault entirely. But uh, you know you're more than welcome, and we like your your input uh, from a financial point of view as well. So thanks for that. No problem at all. It, it's nice to uh, so many apologies. It's like we're listening to a whole different AD. But yeah, yeah, absolutely, right. absolutely. <laughs> so that's basically it for football. Bloody hell! Just make sure you join us again on Wednesday night. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>